and turn to the book of Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13. While you're turning there, just a little bit of a disclaimer. I have shared before that my process of preparing messages actually takes place weeks and months ahead of time. I often prepare messages or series of messages, and yet I don't have a clearance from the Lord as to when, um, but a couple of weeks ago I knew that I was going to be sharing from here, and I began working or finishing up some of, some of what I have for you today, and I had, I had no idea of what was going to happen in the weeks leading up to today, but glory to, to God, the, the Lord did. And uh, uh, he has a way of bringing the right message at the right time, and I take no credit for that. So please, I, 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 never, I never look at a newspaper from the preceding week and bring the message because of that. I, I've not done that. I won't do that. Uh, but, but I love how the Holy Spirit, because I'm not really, I'm not very bright. I can't figure it all out. I don't know the future, but he does, and he puts it all together. Exodus chapter 13. The word Exodus, the word Exodus actually means to depart or to go out, right? I mean, in this room, there are a couple of different red signs that say exit. It is that from that Greek word exo, which means to go out, uh, to, 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 to be going out or to, to depart from. The, the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus records the descendants of Israel. His name was also Jacob. It, before it was a nation, it was the name of a person. It records the, Exodus records the descendants of Israel, the Jewish people, going out, exiting from, departing from the land of Egypt, and they were going back to their ancestral homeland. That's the story of Exodus. People exiting from the, the nation of Egypt, and they're going uh, east and north to their ancestral homeland. You see, the people of Israel, or the Jewish people, had been away from their homeland for about four centuries. Actually, a little bit more than that, we figure. A little bit more than 400 years, the people of Israel had been away from their ancestral homeland, the land that God had given to Abraham many, many years before. And much of that time, they had been slaves. They had been slaves in the land of Egypt. That word slaves almost um, universally has a, a wretched sound to it. I don't like anything having to do with slavery because it very clearly implies a a group of people who are forcing a, another group of people to do something beyond their will. To enslave someone is one of the most horrible things that could ever happen. We know throughout the history of mankind that this happens, and it happens to today, but it's a, it's a wretched thing. But God had set his people free from slavery, and now they were going out. You can read about that in the early chapters of, uh, of Exodus, chapters 7 through 12. It records how God, through an entire series of miracles, set his people free, <laughs> brought the nation of Egypt and its leadership to their knees, 
finally to the point that the king of Egypt, the title was Pharaoh, uh, sent them out, sent them with a whole bunch of loot and just said, get away from me, get as far as you possibly can. And so the people of Israel on one great and glorious day pack everything up and they march out of Egypt. Exodus chapter 13 verse 17 reads this way, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter, for God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Now just stop there for a moment. Here it says here that God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country. What, what, what does that mean? The, ta- the, the, the traveling distance between the land of Egypt where they were to the promised land, the, their ancestral homeland land where they were going to be, was really only about two or three weeks on foot. And the short way through was, would be to go along the coast uh, of the Mediterranean up uh, north and east into the promised land. It, 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 it's the fast route. It's the easy route. There's not a lot of mountains. There's, it's not a difficult terrain. The only problem was that that was also the area of these people called the Philistines. They would be like ancient, um, like ancient Vikings. They were a marauding, seafaring people who didn't go inland too far but tended to be along the coast. And this was the land of the Philistines. And it says here, it says here that God did not lead them that way, even though that was the shortest route, because God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. You have to understand, the people of Israel who've been in Egypt for over 400 years, much of that time as slaves, they were now just recently set free slaves. These were not warriors. These were not trained soldiers. These were people who, know, who knew a lot more about making bricks than they knew about making war. And God said if they go that way, they're going to face battle and they will lose heart and they will go back to Egypt and so I'm not going to take them that way. So verse 18 says, so God led the people around by the desert road. I want you to see those words. He led them by the desert road toward the Red Sea. And the Israelites, or the people of Israel, went up out of Egypt ready for battle. When it says ready for battle, one translation says they were equipped for battle, which means that they had the the apparatus, they had the materiel, but they did not have the expertise. They they had the weaponry, but they didn't have the know-how. They were not trained soldiers. They were equipped, but they were not ready. So instead of taking them by the short and the fast route, God led them through a desert road because the short and the fast route would have exposed them to something for which they were not yet prepared. Now let me just pause in the text for a moment and say this. Remember, God led them by a desert road rather than the quick and the easy way. Some of you right now, I don't know who, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit identify that to you, but there are undoubtedly some here today who have begun, who who have found themselves on a desert road. 
just the very, you know, I mentioned that the word slavery we don't like. I don't like the word desert either because it speaks of something dry, something desolate, something potentially lonely, something potentially difficult. A desert road to me is not a good thing. A desert road is a difficult place, a, a, a lonely place, a, maybe, a, maybe even a, what could be perceived a perilous place, desert roads. Are you on a desert road? Has God, in His great plan, has He directed you to a place where all of a sudden you feel like this is a desert place, it's dry, it's it's, it's a little scary. It's new area for me, and I don't know exactly what to do. But I find myself on a desert road. You can identify with these people. <laughs> I don't know if they knew their geography, but I, I, can, I can picture they get to a certain point, and, and they're expecting to go you know, a certain direction because they know this is the fast way to the promised land. Instead, God says, no, I want you to take a hard right, and I want you to go down, and we're going to take you to a desert place. God can lead us. God can lead us. In His great plan, and He sees the full picture, God can lead us to desert roads. Years later, Moses, in fact, towards the end of the Exodus, the Exodus actually ended up taking 40 years. The, 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 the transition time between their departure from Egypt and their entry into the promised land. Years later, looking back, Moses wrote of this time, Moses wrote of this early time in the Exodus. He wrote this in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, that God led them this way that he might humble them and testing them to know what was in their heart. He made it personal. God said to them, I brought you this way so that I might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart. So it wasn't, simply, it wasn't simply to avoid the Philistines, but it was to, to break them. That's what humbling means. Sometimes God leads us into desert roads, into desert times of our lives where we feel like desolate. And, and, and He does that. He, he can do that because He wants to humble us, because He wants to test us, and He wants to see what's in our hearts. And those come out in, in desert times, on desert roads. So God led these people of Israel south and west out of Egypt rather than north and, not south, south and east out of e Egypt rather than north and east to the western shore. He led them to the western shore of the Red Sea. Chapter 14 Verses 1, it's in your Bible, chapter 14, verses 1 and 2 read this way. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hahiroth between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Now, we, we, can, we can overlook this text because it's got some, some big hard-sounding or hard-pronouncing hard names in it, so we can kind of just like skid by this But when we're reading it, but it's, it's really quite important. We don't know precisely where this was. Uh, there, there, there are, there's, not a, there's not a community called this that we can find or identify today. It could be several different locations between those two land areas, but we do know this, that God led them there. 
again, God led them to this place. Before we continue on and look at what the rest of this says, please understand that it says here that God led them there. He led them to a place that would become one of the most initially terrifying times of their lives, which would become one of the most triumphant times of their lives. Look at verse 5. It says this, When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh, that's the king, and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and we have lost their services. So he had his chariot make ready and took his his army with him. (laughs) I'd like to know the backstory. They've not been gone very long, but Pharaoh, who was the one who said, go ahead, leave, just get out of my sight. Now something happens. I don't know if, man, the, the, you know, the, the, uh, the quality of bricks went down or, you know, a lot of people now, they can't continue with their big projects like they had and, and the things that no one else wanted to do that the slaves did. And they have, so he has this, he, he, he realizes, he, he says to himself, we've lost these, these valuable workers, go back and go back and get them. Verse 7, oh, and it says also, it says that his army, so you understand, we don't know how big that is. We don't know how many is in the army, but probably a lot of people. Look at verse 7. Pharaoh took, and this is numbered, 600 of the best chariots. I mean, with like dual wheels on them, you know, uh, racing stripes or something. I don't know what made them the best. Along with other chariots, those were the two-wheeled ones, you know, front-wheel drive, whatever. Uh, the, the took one with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, that's a lot of people, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Hahiroth, opposite Baal-Zephon. Now the Israelites, I mean, just picture this in, in that creative mind that God gave you. The people of Israel were probably still, even though it's been some days later, were probably still celebrating their slavery from Egypt. I mean, they're, they're sitting around campfires and say, Glory to God, we don't have to make bricks tomorrow. <laughs> Glory to God, I'm never going to feel the whip of a, of a taskmaster's whip on my back. <laughs> Boy, these are good times. Ah, this is going to be great. Kind of wondering about this detour. I thought we were going to go northeast rather than southeast, but it's not going to take very long. We're going we're gonna to be in, eating that milk and honey pretty soon. Well, I mean, they're excited. They're still celebrating over the, the, their freedom from captivity. But all of the celebrations ended very quickly when word came that the Egyptian army was spotted on the horizon when word came to them that the Egyptian army was in full pursuit. You see, these people, and and it doesn't record this, but it's a very simple assumption. These people, when they heard that the Egyptians were coming back to get them, knew that one of two things were going to happen, and neither was very good. Either they were going to be killed Or they were going to be re-enslaved, taken back into captivity. Again, neither of those was a good option. And all of a sudden, their celebrations ended. 
and they look to the horizon and maybe there's this dust because it's a desert road and there's a dust cloud rising up and they're going, oh man, here we go again. What we thought we had escaped, we're going to be going back into or we're going to die here in this miserable place at the end of this desert road. Now, I want you to understand their dilemma. I want you to appreciate their dilemma in front of them. Picture this in your minds. It says here they're, they're at this sea. The, in front of them is a large body of water. It is deep water. We don't know exactly where this is. Some say it's deep. Some say not so deep. I don't know. Either way, it's, it's deep enough, too deep to go through safely and quickly. So in front of them, if, 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 this is, if this is the sea, the sea is here. <laughs> the sea is right here in front of me. And, and behind them is the advancing army. And so they're between the sea and the advancing army. Well, so, well then you can go off to the side, one to the right or to the left. Well, well uh, uh, again, we don't know exactly where this is, but in many of the places, uh, possible locations, in most of them, in fact, there are a lot of mountains. Well, you don't cross over someplace, or you don't, you know, where this possibly could be, uh, the site, many of them have mountains on either side. And you camp in valleys, you don't camp in mountains, you camp down where the water is, and and so in most of these places, not only would there be a sea in front of them and an army behind them, but a mountain on either side of them. In other words, they're going nowhere. I want you to appreciate these, these people, their, their full dilemma. This was a difficult and a desperate place, and there seemingly, seemingly was no place to go. What they didn't know, what they didn't know was that the water in front of them and the advancing army behind them were the very first of many obstacles that they would encounter on their journey. They had no idea. We know because we have the record. We have the book of Exodus. We have the book of Deuteronomy. We have the record. So we know what they went through, but these people didn't know. They did not know that, that, that in the next 40 years, there was going to be one obstacle after another, one impediment after another, one difficult time after another. And this was the first one. This was a make or break one. This was huge. We understand that because we have the greater perspective. They did not. They did not know that this was exactly where God wanted them to be. Let me say that again. They did not know that this place was exactly where God wanted them to be. All of this that was happening was a part of God's plan. Why? Because God delivered them. God put them on a desert road. And God said, I want you to go and camp right there. And it also says that he hardened the heart of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh came to get them. God intentionally put them in a difficult place where there seemed to be no way out. Now that may mess with some of your theologies because some of your errant theologies may go something like this, that if I'm, if I'm God's, then, then everything he has for me is going to be wonderful. It's all going to be sweetness and light the rest of my life. And if you've been serving Jesus for a length of time, you realize that in God's great plan, maybe even a short time, in God's great plan, he leads us to difficult places, sometimes to humble us, 
and to test us and to know what's in our hearts. So not only, well, he knows what's in our hearts, but so that we know what's in our hearts. This was, this was God's plan. It was God's purpose to bring them to this seemingly impossible place. For these people, it was crisis time. For these people, it was crisis time. And this time of crisis revealed their character. You see, crisis times do that, don't they? They reveal our character. Look, look at this. In your Bibles, Exodus 14, verses 10 through 12. This is a revealing of their character. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified. and They cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you were brought that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say, <laughs> this is what they said, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this desert. I read this, I just, there in verses 10 through 12, I read their statements these, these ingrates, <laughs> I read their statements and I'm amazed at how quickly they have forgotten about the miracles that God had worked to get them there. Had they forgotten about all of that? Had they forgotten about all of the things that God had done? Had they forgotten how, how every one of those ten plagues that, 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 that gradually loosened the hand of Pharaoh did they not realize that almost every one of those, probably every one of those plagues, was a direct affront to some of the false gods that the Egyptians served? The, 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 the god Ra, the, the god Ra, when, when the, the, the sun god that they worship, that when God brought darkness upon the land, that suddenly the people of not only Israel, but the people of Egypt realize our God is not powerful. Did, had, the, had, the, had the Israelites forgotten about that? Had the Israelites forgotten how God had, had in his mercy spared their firstborn by giving them directions about covering their homes in the blood of a lamb, which would speak uh, prophetically to years later to the blood of the lamb? Had they forgotten about God's salvation? Had they forgotten how, how God had set them free? Had they forgotten how God had provided? Had they forgotten how God brought them to this point? Now, don't raise your hands. But has it ever happened to you where all of a sudden you find yourself in a difficult place and you're saying, God, why did you bring me here? Don't you care about me? Are you even there? And we tend to forget about the, the amazing things that God did to get us to that point. I could go around here. I know many of you, and again, there are a lot of people that aren't here today, but I could go around to many of you and I, and I could point to things in your life we, and you could point to things in my life, occasions in which God worked a, a miracle. We sometimes tend to forget those in crisis times. But the God who brought me to this point is somehow, someway, going to get me through this to the next point. But crisis times, crisis times 
have a way of exposing our hearts. Look at these people's words. They weren't looking forward, they're looking back. They have this collective amnesia, selective amnesia. Oh, didn't we want to stay there? No, they, no one ever said that. No one ever said, you know what, I just like slavery. Um, love the whip on my back when I'm not doing well. So you guys just, no one said that. This crisis revealed what was in their heart. Crisis moments reveal character. Then and now. When you're in a desert time, and when the pressure's on, when there seems no way out, or when you're just in over your head, when things go from bad to very bad to epic bad, in that time, what is in a person's heart will be revealed. Let me say that again. In those really, 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 really difficult times, what is in a person's heart will be revealed. Good or bad, when the pressure's on, when you're facing, when you're facing difficulty, impossibility, when you feel like the enemy is, is just at your back, your heart is exposed. As I mentioned earlier, I began working this message many weeks ago. <coughs> Excuse me, actually some months ago. When I began this, I knew nothing about the events of recent weeks. I knew nothing about that. But let me tell you something. This certainly relates to this moment. Again, please do not respond visibly or, or audibly, but there may have been some here today or some listening to this message who are saying, God, have you failed us? Have you, have you let us down? God, where are you in all of this? Well, listen, it's in those times where you better just stop and say, look what God has done to bring me to this point. Look how God set me free. Look how God delivered me. Look how God has provided for me. Look at this one. This one who brought me to this point did not leave me, is, is not going to abandon me at this point, but God has a purpose. I don't know why. I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know how he's going to change it. I don't know how he's going to deliver it. I don't know that, but I do know this, that the one who brought me here is going to keep me, who's going to sustain me, who's going to encourage me and provide for me. This certainly relates to this time. Some of you, backing away from the, the present circumstance in which we find ourselves, and we don't know how bad it is, but some of you are new believers. You may have come to Christ uh, weeks ago or months ago or maybe in the last few years, and you're growing, and, and we thank God for that. We're in, in a couple of weeks, we're going to acknowledge and introduce some of the graduates of Next Steps, people who, who God has just been doing an amazing work in their life. It's this wonderful discipleship ministry that, that we're doing, and, and uh uh, you're you're going to, not just those, but there may be others here who are new believers and suddenly you've come to a point and you're saying, well, wait a minute, God, why is something so difficult? 
Why am I, now that I've given my life to you, why am I struggling so much at home? Or why is it so difficult? Or why all of a sudden in, in a school environment or a work environment, why is it so difficult? And you're, and you're thinking it's not supposed to be this way because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ now. It should be better. But I want you to understand that God has brought you to this place. And, and he's doing so because he's testing you, because he's strengthening you, because he, he, he's, he's, he's bringing you to the place of absolute dependence upon him. Others have served Jesus for a longer time. Some of you here have been serving Jesus for decades. Some of you have been serving Jesus so long you don't remember not serving him. But maybe in recent weeks or months, you've encountered something that seems like a sea in front of you. Mountains on either side of you and an enemy rapidly approaching. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to heaven. Be, won't it be nice when all of a sudden there will be no more obstacles? Oh, that's going to be nice. You know what I'm really looking forward to in heaven? I'm looking forward to, number one, I want to see Jesus. <laughs> and secondly, no more obstacles. I don't care about the pearly gates and the streets of gold. That'll be nice. No potholes. Anybody been in the parking lot at the mall lately? That's, that's dangerous. Don't go there. The alignment people, I'm thinking they're digging that up every night. They're just, I don't know. I hope no owners of the mall are here today or anything. I don't know. How did I get off on that? Oh, I'm looking forward because there's not going to be any more impediments. Not going to be any more challenges. But right now there are challenges. And they, they continue to, to put us in a place where the only way we can look is not over here, not over here, not, not back there because the enemy's coming. And not even really ahead of us. The only way we can look up is say, oh God, help us. Somehow make a way. This was the first major test that the people of Israel were experiencing in the Exodus. And God had a plan. In the crisis moments, we have a choice to return to the things which once enslaved us or to trust in the Lord who freed us. That's where they were. There were some that were saying, man, I wish I were back in slavery rather than dying on this desert road. <laughs> and there are people who when the crisis hits and they, they're following Jesus Christ and all of a sudden they go back to the things that once enslaved them. You fill in the blank, whatever it is. The way that you used to cope, the way that you used to find comfort, the way that you used to find fulfillment, those things once enslaved you. They were killing you incrementally. And sometimes in our walk with Jesus Christ, we're tempted to go back to that wretched life. And I'm saying don't do it because God has a promise in front of you. We can forget. We can go back to those things that once enslaved us. Or we can trust in the Lord who freed us and the Lord who has a promise in front of us. My friends, fear is a powerful thing. That's where they were. Fear is a powerful force. Fear can cause us. And that's, that's why these people are saying these things, because they're in fear. 
Fear can cause us to do and say regretful things. Some of the most damaging words you've ever spoken or heard were spoken when fear reigned. Think about it. Some of the most damaging things you've heard or said were spoken in a moment of fear. Some of the greatest setbacks that you've experienced in your journey happened when we succumbed to fear rather than standing by faith and looking forward to the promise. And there is a promise. God has great plans ahead. Listen to me. Regardless of what you're going through individually, regardless of what you are going through individually in in your own body, in your mind, in your job, in your family, in your business, in whatever it might be, God, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, He has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you beyond this difficult desert place. Collectively, God has a plan for His church beyond this difficult place. We're going to get through this, folks. There's going to be some, yes, there's going to be some challenges. I get that. But folks, we're going to get through this and we're going to get through it because of the hand of God. He's going to give us wisdom. He's going to give us direction. And who has a plan and a purpose for us. So friends, fear, as I mentioned a moment ago, fear is a powerful thing. But there's something greater and that is faith in Jesus Christ. And if we have faith in Jesus Christ, we will not fear the things that are in this world. If we trust in Him, if we look to Him, if even in the the midst of, of just impossible situations, if we say, Lord, I don't know how, I don't know when, and I don't know who, but I know you have a plan for me. This morning, I want to close this message with the verse the Lord willing, I will begin with next Sunday morning. And it is Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. God has a purpose. And God has a plan. And the words that were written about 3,450 years ago by a man named Moses is a message for every person here within the sound of my voice today. Do not be afraid. Regardless of what you're facing, I'm not minimizing it, but do not be afraid. Stand firm. You will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you. The enemy 
that you see today, God will take care of them and you'll never see them again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Now, I don't know how this resonates in your heart, what this says to you. Leave that to the Holy Spirit. But I believe that God wants to do a work today. In the closing moments of our time together, I want to do two things. First of all, would you all bow your heads with me? The first thing that I, I want to do is, I've been speaking about the power of Jesus Christ and the delivering power of Jesus Christ and how we walk on the journey with him. There may be some here this morning who you've never, you've not started that journey. By that, I mean you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart to forgive your sins, to begin walking for him and with him. I want you to know this morning, if that's you, that God is not just someone who created this world and then walked away. He, he's a, he's a, he sent his son to die on a cross and be raised from the dead so that we might have a relationship with him. And by his Holy Spirit, when we ask him to come into our hearts, he comes in and he begins to dwell within us, God in us. To begin that, how, how does it happen? It happens when you understand your need for the Savior, when you confess your sins to the Lord, and you ask Him to come into your heart. So before we go any further, before I pray with all of you, I want to pray perhaps with some of you. With no one looking around, would you do this? Would you, would you just do two things? Would you raise your hand? and catch my eye. And I want to pray with you this morning. I want to embarrass you, but I want this to become really the, the biggest deliverance from slavery to sin in your life. Is there anyone here today, before we proceed, is there anyone here today who would say, yeah, preacher, I, I, want to be, I, want to, I want to pray that prayer. Is there anyone here on the main level? Thank you. Right here in front. Is there... Anyone else on the main level? Thank you. And back, thank you. Is there anyone in the, in the balcony that would say, yeah, that's, that's me? The two persons that have raised their hands. Thank you. There's another person. There are three persons here today. Say, so, yeah, I want to begin that relationship. I, I want to know that I'm yours. I want to know that I'm yours. Is there anyone else? There are three persons that have raised their hands, so I'd like you to do this. In fact, not only those who raised their hands, but... Would, would, would the rest of you join in? And, and, and maybe you didn't raise your hand, but, but I want you to pray this prayer. The Bible says that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth, mouth that, that Jesus, that, that God rose Jesus from the dead, we'll be saved. There's this, this importance of believing and declaring. Would, would, you, would you even, not, not real loudly, but just quietly, audibly, would you all pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Set me free from slavery. Change me in the deepest way. I want to begin following you today. Today the journey begins. Today I give my life to you. 
become my Lord and my Savior. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are three persons, perhaps more this morning, who said, yeah, that's, that's me. Now, um, we're going to be in contact with you, but I also want to let you know, in a few months, we're going to have a baptism service. And that's where, though you just privately prayed this or quietly prayed it, and maybe only you are aware of that, in coming months, we want you to just declare that to a gathering of believers. It's very important that 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 happens. Um, Thank you for letting me pray with with you about that. Now the rest of us are, uh, I'm going to assume then, followers of Jesus Christ, all of us now, followers of Jesus Christ. You're perhaps in a desert place where you're facing deep water. I want to pray for you. Would everyone here this morning, if you can, would you stand with me? I want to close our time in prayer. I want to ask God that in, in these, in these, in these uh, perceived or real perilous times, um, I want to trust in the Lord. So can I pray with you on that? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold my hands out, and I'm just going to pray over you like this, a, a blessing. I want you just to receive that and agree with me in prayer. But um, folks, in, in, these, in these times, let's be the church. Let's be the church who are, who are full of faith and not consumed by fear, who, 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 who share that good news of Jesus Christ with other people, who, who invite them, who invite them in coming weeks to a, a, an amazing resurrection day. But, but we, we, we're the church. We're the church. And we're, we're, we're just one congregation. There are many in this community. And, and, there are, and there are millions around this world. But we're, a, we're the body of Christ. And God has us here in this place, in this time, for such a time as this. Glory to God. Let me pray with you. Lord, in these final moments now, I ask your blessing and your favor upon every man, woman, and young person here. Even, Lord, I pray for those who may be listening to this message today. I ask that they, too, would be your church and that wherever we are, we will, we will, we will demonstrate and speak of our faith in you rather than succumbing to the fear in this world. Lord, even if we find ourselves in a desert place or standing in front of deep water, we will not fear, but we will look up to you somehow, some way, you're going to bring us through. Lord, you see that person. You see where they are right now. You see how, how the, the temptation of, of, of their past is trying to, to take them back into slavery. But Lord, no, not here, not here. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. We love you. I ask again your blessing upon these people as we leave this place and as we go in your power. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Again, if you believe it, say amen. Amen. I believe you believe it. God bless you. Go in the presence and in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ.